older listeners may remember my chat many years ago with Wallace Linka, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature. And tonight you're going to meet Elusa O'Sunde, who's a writer for the Paris Review, a visual artist, filmmaker, and now author of a novel called Vagabonds, with an exclamation mark. It's getting rave reviews from the likes of the New York Times, The Guardian, and The New Yorker. Now, the book tells the stories of some of the outsiders in the city of Lagos, which, uh, of course, Deepo Forloin has just been describing. But we're going to learn a lot more about it because this book tells the story of the outsiders in the city, in particular the gay, lesbian and transgender people who, she says, must live in the cracks. So I'm very pleased to welcome you, Alusa, online from Nigeria. We've heard about, uh, we've heard about depots, Lagos. What's yours like? Hi, Philip. This is so great. I just want to say, first of all, that I'm enjoying this conversation already. Thank you very much for that glowing introduction. Lagos. What's my Lagos like? Um, my Lagos is very loud. Um, it's very musical. It's very agile. It's very full. It's very busy. And yeah, I think it just has a lot of character. Well, you've got 21 million people there, so in a sense, there's a different story for every one of them. Exactly, yes. I didn't realise that it was a city of bookshops and music and art and theatre and dancing. Oh, yes. There is so much music um, just coming out of Nigeria right now, and I think that that's one of the first things you hear as soon as you get into Lagos. You hear sound, you hear loudspeakers, and you hear music. Yeah. It's also the centre of the West African film music and television industries. Yes, yes. I must say that uh, when he was describing it, uh, the main point the Depot made was that the traffic was terrible. <laughs> yes, it's some of the worst traffic in the world, as has been remarked in many places. <laughs> yes. Now, Alessia, you've spent crazy. most of your life in Lagos, but you don't live there now. Is there a reason you yeah. left? Yes. Um, Lagos stopped fitting about four years ago. I stopped feeling like it was a place for me because it was asking for too much for the season of my life that I was in. I think Lagos has given me so much um, in this lifetime. It's helped me to become more clear about all the things that I want. But I think sometimes you get to a point with the city where it no longer works for you um, because it's, it's too fast or it's too loud or it's too demanding at the time. And I think that's what happened with Lagos. So now I live in a different city in Nigeria called Abuja. Now, it's a city which is full of young people seeking adventure, but your book is full of warnings for those trying to make a life there, particularly if yes. you're different. Yes, exactly. Um, I think <laughs> Lagos is a city that you need um, warnings about, but also like a few, like a manual. You need a manual to, 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 to move through it. And that's not because it's unsurvivable, but it's because you need to know like what rules um, the city works with. And so, 
yeah, I wanted to include that in the book because some of the things that are mentioned there will very much guide how people approach the city. One of your characters says this, to work in Lagos, you have to give up something. Everybody does, even the high and mighty. Some people give up their languages, some their names, some their sanity, some their conscience, some their ears, their eyes, and so forth. What did you give up to work there? Peace. Um, I think I gave up peace for a long time because I was like, my, that wasn't my priority. My priority was progress, you know? And I think that sometimes you need to be in a city that allows you to keep on creating momentum. And I think Lagos was very good for that. But it did take peace from me. Your book is called Vagabonds, but the word means something very different in Nigeria than it does in the West. Tell me about it. Okay. Um, so there, there are many uses of the word vagabond in Nigeria and the, the regular uses that we know everywhere else in the world. And then there is also another definition of the word which is found in the constitution. The Nigerian constitution, as at now, refers to anyone who is queer or who deviates from gender norms as a vagabond. And so this, the book and the book's title were basically pulled from that definition. I, I'm sorry, in the Constitution? Yes. That is so Hello. extraordinary. So homosexuality is illegal, but your book... It is illegal. But your book brings the, the queer community out of the shadows. How difficult is life for these communities in Lagos? I think it depends. It depends on... Um, a number of factors, right? Um, I think that, as the book portrays, different people who are queer have completely different realities. So there are um, just a number of things that can make insulation possible. So money is one of them, or like class differences, or, I don't know, spiritual power, whatever kind of power um, you have, in addition to your queerness, basically defines what experience you're going to have with it in Lagos. So for some people, it is literally hell because like they can't really navigate the city without it being clear that they are queer. And so some people are more open to violence than others. But not everybody who is queer in Lagos is, is experiencing immediate violence. And you also say that your characters have threads of strength and hope. I really like that the characters in this book make choices that are life-affirming, even in a city like Lagos that demands so much. I didn't realise how religious a city Lagos is and how powerful the Pentecostal movement is, uh, is getting there. It's quite influential in my country as well. But does this worry you? Mm -hmm. is, do you think there's something in the Nigerian character that responds to that sort of religiosity? I do. I think that uh, Nigeria is a place that um, is full of need right now. Um, so many people need things. And I think that the, the, 
the Pentecostal movement or just even religiosity in general is a way that people use to find solace, you know? Um, and so uh, I don't know that it bothers me because I think that even though I'm not a Christian anymore, um, I can see how that's a place of comfort and a place of safety for people. And I can see how that gives, like just having a religion, a faith, gives some people a will to live. Were you brought up in a religious uh, household, Alusa? Yes, I was brought up in a Christian home. And um, yeah, I veered away from that eventually. So I'm no longer a Christian, but I was brought up in a Christian house. Yes. So you have a faith, but it doesn't have a, a name you can put to it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. How about you? I'm a, I'm, I'm a lifelong atheist, and I understand that <laughs> I atheism that. is not all that uh, is rather frowned upon in parts of Nigeria. Yes, exactly. Perhaps you can tell us the story of Thomas, who comes to Lagos, bringing with him stories from his own family about where the dangers mm -hmm. might lie in a big city. What are some of the beliefs he decided to test? <laughs> um, so some of the beliefs that Thomas decides to test are, well, they're actually stories that I grew up on as well. And I think that a lot of Nigerians know, uh, which is why I started the book that way. Um, one of them is the idea that if you go to a market and you look between your legs, um, you could get sucked in to a different realm altogether, which is very alive and very like there all the time. And so in this story, Thomas is testing out, um, he's testing out stories that he actually heard from his uncle. And the story shows us what happens when you dare a myth, basically. Like if you look at a myth and you say, oh, I wonder if you're true. The story basically tells us what could happen when you do that. I was fascinated by the story of the mythical football games that you talk about <laughs> when you're talking about yeah. this overlap between myth and truth. A mythical football, yes. football game, please explain. <laughs> okay, so growing up, there was this story um, that went around and still goes around, actually. People still believe this, um, that Nigeria was in a match with India and depending on who you ask, you might hear that the score was 100-0, or you might hear that it was 99-0, or you might hear that it was 99-1. And so we all grew up around, around this story. So people, um, my parents know this story, I know this story, my friends know this story, and it's a story that just goes around as fact. So when, you, when you're talking to someone about this football match, they might tell you, yes, I remember it, it was 100-0. Or they might tell you, I remember it, it was 99-0. But when I was writing the book, I did some research into the, into the match because I was thinking about it. And what I found was a BBC interview where <laughs> Nigerians were asked about the match and different Nigerians had different answers to that question. And so I wanted to put that into the story and just put that into Thomas's experience because it is a well-known 
But Alosa, the, the part of the story that I found so fascinating was that the Indian players mm-hmm. turned into balls of fire every time <laughs> they had the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's also part of the story. And some people still take that myth seriously. Yes, yes. This is still happening now. One of the most interesting um, responses to the to the book had been Nigerians finding out that the match wasn't actually that the match actually didn't happen. <laughs> like people are still shocked, you know, in reading the book that that didn't happen. You are a visual artist. Do you think these yeah. skills help you as a writer to create this very vibrant visual description of Lagos and its characters? I think it does. I think the visual art as a discipline just sharpens my ability to say what I mean in very definite terms. Um, So, yeah, I would definitely say that it feeds into my practice as a writer. You're making a film of the book, I understand. Yes. (laughs) Will it it be called uh, Vagabonds? No, it will be called Tata for after one of the main characters who like takes us through the book. In an interview, you yeah. said that your work is more powerful than your shame. What does that mean? <laughs> I think, um, thank you for asking that. I really like that question. <laughs> thank you so much for asking that. Um, it means... Actually, let me start from here. When I was writing the book, one of the hardest things to do wasn't actually writing. One of the hardest things to do was to believe that I deserve to write a book that's full of courage. Um, And there was a lot of shame that came up there for me. And I realized that I felt ashamed in a way of my voice. I felt ashamed of the things that I desire to write about. I felt ashamed of the things that I desire to read about. And so... um, Making this book was basically an exercise in reminding myself that what I am writing about is more important than all the shame that I gathered growing up in the world. Um, So, yeah, that's what that means to me. Is there much queer literature in Nigeria? We're growing stories right now. Um, So it's not that there isn't a lot of queer Nigerian literature in the mainstream, but there are a lot of queer Nigerian short stories or a lot of queer Nigerian writers who haven't put out books just yet. Now, before I let you go, I have to ask you to read a little from a chapter (laughs) called Overheard, A Conversation, because it concerns a namesake of mine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Overheard, a conversation. Location, under Third Mainland Bridge. Mr. Adams entered the congregation on a sweltering afternoon after a truck fell off Ojuelegba Bridge and crushed his car into a rumpled sheet of metal. He'd been scrolling through Twitter on his Blackberry, cackling at yet another trending topic just the second before. He was confused when he first left himself because what silence was this? It filled him madly. Now, here he was, under a bridge on the island, 
when his last memory was on the other side of town entirely. Who could explain it? Welcome, the guard said, large black wings fluttering behind him, interrupting Mr. Adams's thoughts. Sit down. The guard's entire face was charcoal. It was clear he had eyes of some sort, that he could see Mr. Adams, because his head followed when Adams moved. He had teeth, too. It was obvious, from the roundedness of his speech. But it was the kind of face that depended on your imagination to be complete. There was no way to make sense of it without getting close enough to be rude. It wasn't an ugly face, or frightening, really. It was just unclear. Introduce yourself, said the guard. Tell us how you got here. Mr. Adams cleared his throat. I'm Adams, he said. The guard's eyes stayed on him. Yes. And why are you here? Oh. He would have laughed if there was room for that. I'm still trying to figure it out myself, you know? You know the randomness with which chaos and disaster happen in this country? I find it kind of funny, actually. It still feels like a dream. The congregation blinked back at him curiously, and he continued. I'm not sure how it happened. There was Goslo, and I was bored, so I was looking at my phone when something heavy landed on my car. I lost feeling, and then I thought, what? And now I'm here. He furrowed his eyebrows and cleared his throat. It didn't take as long as I had expected something like that too. Getting here didn't feel how I thought it would. I don't know if that's because I didn't suffer too much or because I don't remember it, but it was um quick. A brief silence followed and he cleared his throat again, trying to meet all their eyes. The guard started a slow applause and his wings heaved behind him as the rest joined in. So yeah, Mr. Adams said shyly, that's me. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think there's some very good advice in that for this Mr. Adams to follow. And uh, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a delight to talk to you, Alosa. My guest has Thank been Alosa so Osunday, author of Vagabonds, published by Fourth Estate. And she was talking to me from Nigeria. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.